The OMTG Taps is brought to you by StarCityGames.com. You got the money and the heartache and the rest just turns to dust before I get to you. And I always do. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 48 of the OMTG Taps. I'm Joey Pasco. This week we've got Patrick Chapin on the show to discuss why he made the last minute trip from California to Virginia to try to grind into the StarCityGames.com Invitational. Patrick also shares his thoughts on survival of the fittest, the suspension of Tomoharu Saito, the commander announcement, and what decks he expects to show up at Worlds. After that, we spend a few minutes with Open Series winner Christian Calcano to discuss his experience in the tournament. Don't forget, this weekend is the Magic the Gathering World Championships in Chiba, Japan. You can watch live coverage of the Top 8 on Saturday evening starting at 8.45pm Eastern Time on DailyMTG.com. Don't miss it. And be sure to check back next week for our thoughts on the World Championships and an exclusive interview with Wizards' own Mike Turian. I was in California helping people get ready for Worlds, and Wednesday kind of discovered, you know, I kind of, actually, I think Tuesday night, I started working on this blue-green Genesis Wave deck of Flores's. Like, uh, we've had, we have so many different things, and most people are spending most of their time working on the rug deck or various Jace decks or Valakut or Vampires. And um, I got to messing around with all the weird experimental stuff, you know? Like, I'm trying to give everybody the scouting report about, you know, this deck doesn't work, this deck doesn't work, whatever. <laughs> and eventually, Tuesday night, I got around to finally testing Flores' Genesis Wave deck. Now, I mean, I wrote about it a few weeks ago, and I'd heard that it was decent, but, I mean, I didn't get a chance to really play it much because I'm mostly focusing on Extended. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, definitely understood how it would work and everything, but I didn't get a chance to see how well it was pos- positioned right now. And it was actually uh, kind of a, a surprise how effective it was. And so um, I was really having fun playing it, and it seemed surprisingly good. And uh, so I decided to buy a ticket Wednesday night out here Thursday and then try to grind in Friday. Yeah. And, uh, and the, the deck itself is like, um, it's four Jororga Tree Speaker, four Lotus Cobra, four Overgrim Battlement, uh, one Nest Invader, four Chase the Mind Sculptor, two Garuk Wild Speaker, uh, an Eldrazi Monument, four Primeval Titans, four Frost Titans, four Genesis Wave, and then 28 Land, which is mostly four ups of Colony Garden, Halmar Depths, Tectonic Edge, Misty Rainforest, with five mountains, five forests, and two vertical catacombs. And the. Uh, or islands and fo- mountains and forests? Or I'm sorry, five yeah. forests, five islands. Okay. I apologize. Five forests, five islands. And, uh, and the, uh, the basic idea is just, it's sort of a hybrid of the Rug Deck and Eldrazi Green, actually. It's like um, tons and tons of mana acceleration, and then uh, then you just start ramping up to bigger and more powerful uh, of threats, and you eventually are just dropping bomb after bomb. You know, like typically you'll start with a mana accelerator, and then go into a Garuk or a Jace or something like that. You know, and then you go into a Titan, and then you go into a Genesis Wave, and usually a Genesis Wave for six or more is going to be a game. You know, sometimes you have to do it for less mm-hmm. just to uh, try to get. To build your advantage a little bit, just to have something going forward. But uh, um, it's kind of fun sometimes when you have multiple Genesis waves because sometimes they chain together, especially if you flip some Lotus Cobras or if you have mm-hmm. a Lotus Cobra already, because all the land coming into play will be untapped and give you even more mana. And if they're fetch lands, sometimes the second Genesis wave is for even more than the first one. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, uh, I know Mike was saying, um, I think he the, the top of the curve is six, right? 
it's uh, just yeah, or, more or less. Besides I mean, the Genesis wave, yes, but, yes. But the yeah, point if you is Genesis like, wave for six or more, then everything's a hit except other Genesis waves. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's a really interesting way to build it. I think. And, and yeah, so and that's actually a lot of people are surprised that there's, there's no mana leaks. You know, there's no spells in the main. I mean, no, you know, non-permanent yeah. spells other than Genesis waves. And I think he's just really trying to maximize the value of the Genesis wave. Yeah. And uh, it's. It's uh, it seems pretty good against uh, it seems great against Jace decks, and it seems good against Titan decks, and it seems like uh, a fight against aggro decks, you know. Yeah. And in my experience, the vampire matchups are usually very dependent on whoever's on the play. Um, Tumble Magnet really helps a lot of the sideboard to combat Mark of Mutiny, which a lot of people will try to use yeah. to you know, and then uh, and obviously also Frost Titan has a little bit of a natural defense against that. And then the, um, let's see, uh, Negate is the primary cyborg card against a lot of these spell decks, like against a lot of uh, Jace decks. All you pretty much do is just bring in Negates for the Mana Accelerator that doesn't work against them, like usually cutting a Nest Invader or an Eldrazi Monument if they're not playing white or whatever. And then um, Into the Royal and Ratchet Bomb are actually very useful cyborg cards to you switch into sort of a weird blue-green control deck. Yeah. Against uh, the aggro decks, usually your your alternate plan is a little bit better, where you're uh, you're taking away like, some of your high end. You know, you cut a couple titans, you cut some Genesis Wave action, uh, you cut the monument, you cut down on some of the high end stuff, and you can even cut like some land, like a tectonic edge or two. You know, and mm-hmm. and then you board in a lot of the real low to the ground stuff, like into the royal and ratchet bomb, and uh, just try an obstinate Mayloth, and just try to buy yourself some time so that you can just take over the game with titans you know yeah i know i think the first some of the first questions people uh back when mike originally was writing about it he was saying um people were questioning about avenger of zendikar and i think that was the uh you know his answer was i want to keep the curve at six or below so that everything uh you know it's easier on the genesis wave kind of thing um so i I think that was the first uh that was like i think one of the bigger things because people were looking at it going so this is just new Turboland, or it's Turboland with Genesis Wave or something, and it's it's actually I think a completely different uh, idea besides having Jason Forests, you know. But, I mean, it kind of <laughs> it, it's it shares some similarities, but it's it's not quite the same deck. It's actually much more of an Eldrazi Green deck, actually. Yeah. You know, like there's it's you're pl- you're just playing an absurd amount of mana and ramp. Yeah. You know, and all you're trying to do is drop game-winning bombs, you know, just overwhelm your opponent with just raw power. You know, it definitely uses among the most powerful cards in the format. You know, Jace, Primeval Titan, Frost Titan. Uh, I mean, like, when it pushed Draga Tree Speaker, Lotus Cobra, I mean, it has just an abundance of power, you know. And it obviously, like, so you're saying you you started playing, testing it on Tuesday, right? Yeah, I started testing it on Tuesday, so Wednesday I bought a plane ticket. Right, so it was that, that impressive, right? <laughs> it's like, uh, it's so impressive I, that I, within a day... I called Flores and I was like, why didn't you tell me? And he's like, I tried to tell <laughs> No, I mean, I don't think it's busted or anything. I just think that it's severely underrated for how good it is in the format, because I think it's one of the... I think it's a very competitive deck, and I think it's one of the very good decks, but nobody's testing against it. A lot of people aren't familiar with it at all. A lot right. of people don't even know what cards are in it, you know? Yeah. And so I think it's got potential to really take advantage of these next couple of weeks. I don't think that it's so insane that it's going to, you know, destroy the format or anything. I mean, it's, it's pretty fragile, actually, if people aim for it, because it doesn't have very much interaction. 
And when your your reaction is limited to your sideboard and just trying to control the board with Jace, Tectonic Edge, and Frost Titan, yeah. you don't really have a ton of tools, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, the deck's got some weaknesses to Flyers, uh, to Day of Judgment, to, uh, let's see, to, like, a Spark Mage Collar type situation. I mean, there's a lot of troublesome permanents that could give you a hard time, but... but on raw power against an unprepared field, it's got the best game ones in the format. Like, it beats most people in game one, you know? And then after sideboard, you're still in pretty good shape against... I mean, first of all, you still blow out the Jace decks, but then you're in pretty good shape against Titan decks, you know? Yeah. So you uh, you played in two grinders last night? Uh, actually, I played in three. The, oh, okay. the, but it's weird, because the first grinder I played in um, uh, defeated my first two opponents, and then my third-round opponent uh, ended up losing the match because of a bad judge call. Okay. Um, oh, I saw you tweet about that. What, explain that a little more. Yeah, I mean, it was... I mean, I guess it's a judgment call type of situation. I understand. Mm-hmm. It's part of the game, you know? Like, yeah. this type of thing happens. It's like, uh, basically, um, my opponent was playing Boros, a Boros aggro deck, and had two... He he just cast a few more creatures, so his board is Cutting Spark Mage, two-pointed Geopedes, and a Steplinks. I have a Jace the Mind Sculptor and six mana, and I know the type card in my library is Primeval Titan. I draw, I play Primeval Titan, and um, I look at my opponent, he looks at me, I look at him, and throughout the, our match we had had a lot of situations where there's just a lot of deliberate pausing and thinking about the board state and so on. Mm-hmm. Finally I'm like, may I search? And he says, yes. So I search my library and I get out two colony gardens, I shuffle my deck, and I give it to him to shuffle, and then when I go to reach for the plant tokens, as he's shuffling, he, sa- uh, he shuffles give, real quick, gives the deck back and says, are you done? And I say... It's going to be your, as I'm putting the tokens away, I say, it's going to be your turn, and then I'm still thinking as I'm surveying the board, mm-hmm. and he immediately goes to reach towards Cutting Spark Mage. I say, hold on, not yet. I said, uh, I said, it's going to be your turn after I, and he says, it's your end stuff. I said, no, 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 hold on. I said, it's going to be your turn in a minute. I yeah. just have to finish doing all my things. Like, in this case, I just have to activate Jace the Mind Sculptor. Mm-hmm. And uh, the judge, like, he called for a judge, and the judge ruled that I, uh, that my turn was over. And that by indicating that it was going to be his turn, and not fin- and not immediately like, by there being a pause at all, mm-hmm. that it was denoting the end of my turn. And the head judge upheld the four judges' ruling. And then later, like after the match, they apologized to me after they consulted to you know some other judges to find out a little bit more about um, the situation that yeah. uh, that you can't just advance through all the phases without players being in agreement. Especially in a situation where it wasn't it wasn't even a I'm done. Wait, no. Right. It's the uh, in response to my opponent's question about are you done <laughs> saying I'm going to be done after I you know and um, but yeah that 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 cost the uh, the first grinder. Right. And then in the second grinder I uh, lost in the first round. Okay. Uh, yeah, I just uh, in the deciding game against Valakit. I uh, kept a two-land hand and on the draw after double mulliganing and did not end up getting there. Like, it was just two islands, though, but right. I mean, already at five cards. And then in the third round, uh, the third grinder made it to the finals in a uh, pretty epic match against Valakut again. This time, the uh, first game, um, I Genesis Wave for 11 on turn four. No, I'm sorry, for 13. I Genesis Wave for 13. Wow. Wait, was I think it was 11, either 11 or 13. I think it might have been 13. On turn 4? Yeah, I think, no, it was 11. It was 11. <laughs> it was, yeah, so I Genesis Wave for 11 on turn 4, uh, f- revealing 
you know, two frost, like revealing three titans, two frost, you know, locked down all of his mana. He yeah. just like he just conceded on the spot because right. presenting over twenty power and he has no mana. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and then in game two, just typical bad beat story. Long story right. short, lost to Valakit in the next two games, okay. and uh, at that point it was already one thirty in the morning and there were no more grinders. So. But it's it's been fun, and uh, thinking about playing in the Legacy Open tomorrow. Oh, yeah. cool! Yeah. yeah. What do you think about running for that? I'm thinking about trying Survival of the Fittest for a change. Yeah, for a yeah. change. Yeah. I hear that's a that's a good card. It's an up and comer. Really? Yeah, Survival. I've never heard of Survival. Yeah. So let's get a little perspective here. Okay. First of all, um, this whole banned and restricted list thing. Do you really think does it, who does anybody really think Survival is not going to be banned? Like, uh, did you see Jared's? Uh, breakdown of all the legacy events this year? I, ha- I hadn't seen that yet. I don't, I don't think so, no. It is, like, if there was any dispute at all, if there was any debate, Jared's article is by far the, like, Jared Silva's article on Star City about right. the legacy, but it's by far, it just seals the deal. Like, I, so they have the results of more big legacy tournaments than were held in the rest of the world. Right, this is like over half of all big legacy tournaments in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And in the data from the, and that's just pulling that number out of my head. I don't know if it's actually exactly half or whatever. Right, but, right, right. But, but the yeah, the point is that uh, he does this thing where he charts all the different decks, all their matchup, like all the different decks' win percentages in all the different events and so on. Mm-hmm. It is unbelievable. The, okay, so the number one performing archetype. Um, is uh, is blue green survival, and um, I forget if it's like it's like as a whole the archetype across the entire season is like sixty five percent or something, sixty six percent, which is like unparalleled for a long big season among the most popular deck. Sixty six percent of the field. No, is winning. Sixty percent of the tournament. No, it's winning sixty six percent of every game it plays. With every person, wow. no matter what oh, record they wow. play. Wow, that's amazing. Wow, yeah. Now, and here's the crazy thing: the second best deck is also Survival of the Fittest. Right. It's just a different Survival of the Fittest deck, also over sixty percent against everything combined. Wow. The third best deck is also a Survival of the Fittest <laughs> deck, also above sixty percent against everything. Almost every deck in the format is below fifty percent against the field because they all have reasonable matchups against each other, mm-hmm. and then every single one of them all lose to all the different Survival decks. Wow. It's yeah. unbelievable. There are no good decks except for survival. And there are three different survival decks, which are the three good decks, and they dominate at a level that is more dominant than Jund. Yeah. That's like, incredible. And there's three different ones yeah. that all do it. Yeah. I mean, it's, do they all run like basic, the basic four survival, four fauna shaman, four avenge vine? No, 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 no. no, no, no. Like Not that. everybody owns four fauna shaman at all. Okay, okay. They all run four survival. And they all run Venge Vines. Not okay. all, but almost all. All three right. archetypes generally have Venge Vines. But um, uh, actually, I think the fifth most successful deck was another survival deck, <laughs> which uh, doesn't have Venge Vines. But, I mean, there's no question that Venge Vine is super good in that strategy. But the people who would call the Venge Vengevine, first of all, that's not going to happen. I mean, there's a card that's just going to be busted again in the future, Survival, Right. from a long time ago, that nobody ever opens the packs for, Yeah. that ends games immediately, like, that just it, like, prevents, uh, whereas Vengevine is a new, recent, in-print mythic rare. Yeah. Like, <laughs> not only that, this is a creature. Mm-hmm. This is the engine. You don't ban right. Hypnotic Spectre, you ban Necropotence. Yeah. 
like so anyway the point is that uh, the the sheer dominance of survival I, you can't really appreciate it just looking at the top tables you look and you're like oh wow survival put six people in the top eight oh wow survival put five people in the top eight Oh wow, Survival of the Fittest has put a person in the finals of every tournament in the last six months. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Jesus. Yeah, I had every, no the idea. The finals of every tournament in six months. Now, the win percentage is like 75% of tournaments are won by Survival. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like, it's the most popular deck, and yet it still performs disproportionately well per game. And puts an even larger disproportionate number of people into the top eight, and then it puts an even dispar- once it's in the top eight, it continues to perform disproportionately well. Like if you look, the t- the percentage of decks that make top eight that are survival isn't even as high as the percentage of decks that make top four that are survival, <laughs> which isn't even as high as the percentage of decks that make the finals that are the survival, <laughs> which isn't even as high as the percentage that win. Survival overperforms at every single spot in every metric. So naturally you play it tomorrow, right? Yes, are you kidding? It's the most dominant deck. It's more dominant than Flash. Yeah, Flash Flash was more degenerate because of how fast it was. Right. But Flash didn't put up the kind of win percentage that Survival does. They didn't really have a chance, though, because they... No, because it was so short. And who knows, by the time somebody somebody packed and and negation got printed, it would have been just absurd. Yeah. But... I mean, the the numbers Survival's putting up are so far beyond Fairies in its prime, Jund in its prime. Affinity? Does it? Is it? Because Affinity was pretty, pretty ridiculous. I mean, uh, I, I, I don't know. I guess I'm just yeah. Asking. I don't. I don't know if it's that high. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like Affinity was really a really really bizarre scenario. Yeah. I don't know if it was that high. I don't okay. think so. But, but they, Affinity got destroyed by bannings. Yeah, and you know what? It might be the most dominant deck in a format since Affinity. Wow. I mean, like, a prolonged format. Right, Because, you know, right. like, for instance, Elves dominated in Berlin, but mm-hmm. then fell apart, mm-hmm. you know, after one tournament. Right. This, the metagame has been trying for six months, uh, and it's yeah. only been getting worse. The survival people are getting better at winning than the people are at, getting, at beating survival. Like, yeah. survival is just gaining over everyone, because every time anybody does anything to adapt... Survival just takes it and uses it itself. Because yeah. anything anybody else would put four copies of, Survival can use one. Or whatever. You know? yeah. Or just ignore. Because you have this A game that's a card drawer that's rivaled by few in the game's history. But then you have the ability to toolbox whatever card you need to solve any kind of problem. Right. You, you have a proactive game plan that will win the game in a turn or two if unmolested. You have all good cards in your deck. You don't even have to play all the bad cards anymore. You don't even have to mess around with stuff like Squee. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, at this point, uh, I think that the jury is in, and there is very little doubt in my mind that survival will be banned. Uh, I mean, I think there's only yeah. one way that survival doesn't get banned. If somebody breaks out at Worlds with some new deck, mm-hmm. and it shakes things up and just beats up, like, survival doesn't have the presence at Worlds that it has had at every single event in the last six months. If Worlds looks anything like the last six months... Of legacy tournaments, mm-hmm. then survival will be banned. Um, you know, but December twentieth, I think is. is yeah, the I think announce- they're, they're announcing it on the fifteenth this time, right? Or is Are it the twentieth? Maybe it's the twentieth. I feel like it was the twentieth. Maybe but- the twentieth. Yeah, it's after Worlds though. Yeah, but this time survival. Like, assuming Worlds is anything like the last six months. How about this? If things don't change mm-hmm. this week, 
Yeah. Survival will be banned. Because World, Worlds is next weekend, is that right? It's, yeah. it's coming up. It's not even, yeah, it's less than a week away. Right. So, yeah, by the time you're listening to this, Worlds is underway, actually. This is. And the way this has only been played in the team portion, right. that's highly, highly competitive. I mean, there's a lot of money on the line, a lot of people have been working very hard. And I gotta tell you, from talking to a number of national team members, think that it is not a secret to people that survival is the deck. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's interesting. So what do you think uh, out of the the three? What, you said there's a, a blue-green, yeah, uh, a green-white, so right? Yeah, there's green-white, there's blue-green, and the, there's uh, Necroticus. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so, if, yeah, it turns out it's survival. Actually, and you know, in, you know, to be fair, Legacy is a healthy, balanced format right now with combo, control, and beatdown. You know? Like, blue-green... Survival is the control deck. Green white survival <laughs> is the beatdown deck, and Necrotic Ooze survival is the combo deck. I see. Yeah, you know, sounds perfect. Then you know, what's the point? Right? You know, does everybody get your well, survival? It sounds like, it sounds like uh, standard right now in a way. You can play any it's Titan a, you play, want. Play any Titan you want. Right? <laughs> it's the format's wide open. You can play any Titan you want. Exactly. No, that's true. Like the blue black decks, they like Grave Titan. Yeah. You know, and like uh, obviously the rug decks are now they're using Inferno Titan. Yeah. Primeval well, Titan. Michael Jacob was was a big fan of that Inferno Absolutely. Titan. Yeah. You know. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't think Sun Titans. Thing. I guess the, a lot of blue white decks play Sun Titan, don't they? I, 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 I played against Sun Titan. Titan. I played against Sun Titan last night at FNM. So yeah, yeah. yeah that's true. So it was I, there. Type two, you can. I think that's a good way to play. Type two, you can play whatever. You can play any Titan you want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a balanced format. You, know? you can play any Titan you want. So I would actually because you said you've been testing extended, right? Yeah, I've been primarily working on extended because I knew that I couldn't go to Worlds. Um, so I've been mostly trying to work on extended to help my teammates because I knew that the primary area that they had been working on was type 2 because yeah. there's so much type 2 being played right now. Right. Yeah. And so I just spent a lot of time working on extended, you know? Well, I've been really interested in the new extended format since they've, you know, changed the, uh, you know... Ch- uh, changed the, the, the number of sets and everything. Exactly, yeah. since they've changed oh, it. Oh, so absolutely. I, I think it's a really cool format. I mean, I always like formats where it's like a little more of a limited card pool, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So like having that seven-year window was a little daunting for me, but like... Four years is awesome. I'm like, wow, this is just great. And, like, you can kind of, like, upgrade decks that you were kind of you pet decks Absolutely. from, like, previous standard and, like, things like that. Um, so what decks in, uh, in like, testing do you think, like, are the, either strong, the best maybe, or, like, just cool decks or things that people maybe haven't been trying to mess with yet? All right. Well, let's see. First... Um, just for strong decks that I, like, first with the anticipated side, the stuff that I'm seeing that I think is going to be popular. Um, Jund. I think of course. Jund is real good. Um, Ferries. Mm-hmm. I think Ferries is okay. Um, it's decent. It's, uh, let's see, I think Mono Red is overrated. I think it's fine. But I think a lot of people expect it to be really big, but they forget that it's always like this. Everybody always thinks at the beginning of a new format yeah. that Mono Red's going to be and good. And Mono Black Control. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know how many people are confused about that. <laughs> well, people always are like, "Well, is Mono Black Control? Oh, yeah, yeah. Is it finally time to bring it back?" Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> when there's a skeletal scrying or a Necropotence type card, they will talk. Yeah. But uh, let's see. Um, Merfolk, I think, is overrated. Um, I think White Weenie is overrated. Uh, White Weenie is really missing a good two drop. You know, Canadus was okay in that format, but. Uh, Candidus isn't really that good in this kind of format, and uh, a lot of people have been using Knight of Metagrain. What about Knight of the White Orchid? Oh, they use him. Yeah. You're still a two-drop short. Yeah, you have yeah. Honor the Pure and Knight of the White Orchid. You really need one more. Right. Like, uh, I mean, maybe, I mean, I guess Core Firewalker if people played red, but they don't. 
I don't know. You need a good two drop. That's what White's missing in extended. And then um, uh, Dorian has really lost its place in the metagame because a big part of the reason why it existed before was that because of Murmuring Boss with Fetchlands, it was the only aggro deck to, like, it was the only multicolor aggro deck with good mana. And now because of Scar's Dual Lands, everybody's good mana. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say like uh, five color control is another one that I know some people are talking about. And oh yeah, definitely like, gonna get to that. Yeah, okay, five, good, I, good, think, good. I think five color or actually we don't even five color control these days. Nowadays the invoke thing is to four color control. Yeah. You know? What are you cutting? Uh, green. green. Yeah, you could, and sometimes we play Grixis or Esper. So the question is, where do you fall on the spectrum? There's Esper, Grixis, and then halfway in between them you have four color control. You okay. know, like I don't think very many. I don't think anybody really plays five color right now. Okay. Um, part of the reason that you don't play all five colors, even though you have the vivids, is because you want to use filters. Like you want to use creeping tarpet if you can. Mm-hmm. You want to use uh, various filter lands. You want to. There's a, there's a variety of different mana fixers you want to rely on besides your vivids because you don't want to use like 13 vivids and nowadays extended. You know, you want to yeah. try to keep it down to. Like if you're playing all five colors, then maybe nine or ten vivids. It, maybe you know ten vivids. And if you're playing uh, if you're playing just three colors. Then you don't even necessarily have to play all four uh, Crumbling Necropolis or all four Arcane Sanctum. You know? Okay. Yeah. Um, so the other decks, I think that uh, um, Pyromancer's Ascension, I think, is underrated. I think yeah. that there's a, uh, I think there's a really good Pyromancer's Ascension out there. And how big of a difference is it from the, you know, the current kind of standard version uh, to the to the extended version, like the oh, Cryptic Command? No, it's pretty massively different. Is it? Um, yeah, it's much more like the... It's actually much more like the Ascension decks from Amsterdam. Okay. Um, because of Manamorphos and Cryptic Command. Oh, right. Manamorphos and Cryptic Command offer a very, very different element to the deck. I mean, obviously you have little stuff like you have Ponder, which is just mm-hmm. great for that kind of a deck, right, you know? Right. But that's not going to change it, the foundation of it. Mm-hmm. Manamorphos and Cryptic Command fundamentally change the way the deck plays because, like, for instance, if you Manamorphos... Uh, first of all, it's, this e- it's the easiest way in the world to trigger your ascension. It costs you no mana. Yeah. Right? It's a way to build your... To put st- counters on without costing any mana. But then once you flip your ascension, it's unbelievable how fast you can just blow up. Because when you cast Metamorphos, when you're already ascended, you get four mana and draw two cards. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. It's a Black Lotus. And it's like two-thirds of a Black Lotus and two-thirds of an Ancestral Recall with no cost. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, like you just spiral out of control super fast. Yeah, that's really interesting. I I hadn't really looked at extended too much, but I I do like that idea. Yeah, so what will happen sometimes is people will play games where they'll go, you know, turn one, uh, ponder a preordain type thing, you know, uh, and then um, turn two, uh, they'll play, you know, an ascension, and then, uh, like, maybe. Turn three, uh, trigger it with you know like a ponder or preordain and keep up mana leak, and then next turn when they uh, flip it, mm-hmm. they might have to tap some mana on their turn to flip it, leaving them only two mana. So you try to do something on your turn, like you try to destroy it on your turn with three mana open to play a mana leak, mm-hmm. and they go mana morphos. Draw two cards, have four mana, cryptic command, <laughs> counter your spell. Draw a card. Right, so, Draw and then the, that's the other thing, is outside of being a hard counter, cryptic command adds a very proactive element, because you know what you do if you flip your ascension? Now you can just be like, okay, I'm going to bounce your land, draw a card, bounce your land, draw a card. <laughs> it's like, whoa, whoa, wait, what? And at worst, it's like, it's like the greatest time warp ever. You're like, okay, tap your guys, draw a card, tap your guys, draw a card. 
They're like, wait, 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 you just drew two cards and tapped all our guys. Even if you don't have the Ascension, tap your guys draw a card. It's another way to give yourself time. Yeah. You know? And then sometimes just the proactive game plan. Well, like, for instance, we got into a situation where uh, um, one of the guys I was working with uh, was playing, Raptor was playing Ascension, and uh, I had Volcanic Fallout, and he was at two life. So he just bounced every single one of my mountains back to my hand. <laughs> Oh my god! That's nuts. Yeah, that's great. So that I couldn't get you know. So you could, could never cast it, right? Right. Yeah. So it was like. I, so I think ascension is really underrated, um, and you just end up lightning bolting them out. You know, you just yeah, well. them a billion times. But they, um, the let's see, I think uh, mythic is underrated, like uh, conscription mythic. It's not even really mythic anymore. It's like just a conscri- conscription deck, you know. And what? How does that differ from the standard version? Like what? It's very similar, but you have access to a lot of interesting new weapons, like Solar Temptation or Cryptic Command, um, or uh, sort of the best of all the different years, you know. And then also, like you have the Green wa- Razor, Razor Thicket Verge, or Razor oh, yeah, Verge Razor Thicket. Thicket, right? Yeah, Razor Verge Thicket. So you have better mana too, mm-hmm. and uh, and. It's just a proact. It's like a proactive way to take over a game. You know, it's a lot like a six mana, eleven power haste, cre- haste creature. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see other decks that are. Good. There's so many good decks to try. It'll be really interesting to, to see how it shapes up because I got a feeling that that a lot of these decks are going to fall by the wayside. You know, a lot of these because I think it's going to materialize that there's only um, that there's a lot less of these decks that are winning. You know, mm-hmm. Scape Shift is another deck that should be good somewhere, although I don't know what the right home is for it yet. Um, let's see. Uh, it, it does feel like there should be more combo decks, though. You know? Yeah. Like, one of the things that Extended has always lended itself to is a surplus of combo decks because of the large card pool. Uh, the number of interactions is so much higher, you know? Like, even just by having double the card pool, you actually have, like, Four times the card interact, more than four times the card interactions. Right. You know, like you have way, way, way it's more like an exponential. Kind of thing. Right, exactly. And so you end up in the situation where there's such a massive pool that all sorts of unintended interactions come up, and that's where those, you know, the busted combos come in. That's why last like our last extended season when when there were seven years worth, mm-hmm. we saw it degenerate into a, a situation where it's like, okay, there's hypergenesis, <laughs> there's living end, there's Restore Balance, there's yeah. Thopter Sword, there's Dark Depths Hex Mage, there's, you know, it was all of these crazy combos because nowadays they can't realistically design sets as powerful as they do and have them not break with older cards. Right. Yeah. You know, like, seven years is a lot of different cards, you know. Um, Legacy and more powerful formats like that have a little bit of a natural balance because of the fact that they're already so powerful yeah. that it takes a really powerful interaction to shake things up. But it still happens. Like, for instance, Vengevine, you know? Vengevine yeah. was the thing that tipped Survival over the edge. Mm-hmm. Now, Survival was already debatably too good, you know? But um, Vengevine was definitely the push. Yeah. What do you think? Fauna Shaman, I feel like, helped, too, just to give people the extra... Oh, absolutely. There's more tools. Yeah, right. absolutely. There's more stuff, too. I mean, it's just having all these different weapons available. You know, like, Necrotic Ooze helped. Yeah. You know, Necrotic Ooze is a really deadly kill card for survival deck. I want to ask you about an interaction I'm dying to try out in Extended. So I've been thinking about Jund, right? And I've been thinking about Jund running, like, 
So kind of like the Vengevine monster truck list, right? Okay. But like running Fauna Shaman, Vengevine, and Demigod of Revenge. Like just all just really abusing right. that interaction big time, like almost like yeah, almost just, like a survival deck and extended. You know what I mean? Just so kind you're of like Jund Dredge kind of in, in sort a strange of, way. Like yeah, in, in you a, need to get your stuff in the graveyard. Well, right. Fauna well you mean Shaman you can pitch it. it with the Fauna Shaman. Right. Have you seen Terry So's deck? No. Terry So uh, did well in Amsterdam with a red green aggro deck. That's right, yeah. Yeah, it, didn't, it wasn't John, but it was a red green aggro deck, and it had uh, Fauna Shaman, Bloodbraid Elf, Fengevine, Demigata Revenge, yeah. uh, Bogart Ram Gang. I mean, mm. I think it's a deck after your own heart. Yeah. I would, I would take a look at it. Uh, that Definitely. sounds lovely. <laughs> I will have to look into yeah, that. Yeah, I that remember sounds... that now. You mentioned it. I was like, oh, yeah, I did. That sounds that. right up my alley. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it can be done. The issue you run into, because we build these sorts of decks all the time, it's so tempting. You think you start fantasizing about Fauna Shaman and a demigod. <laughs> I know. I mean, I've been there. I know how it is. It's, just, it's it's it doesn't really end up materializing that much. Like you want it to, and I don't think that it couldn't. Maybe you can find a way. It's just demigod is a pretty big thing. You yeah. Know? It's. It's not as big as a cruel. It's not. A, it's not like you're talking about cruel tomato with pyromancer's ascension out where you're yeah. doubling. You know. <laughs> but it's ambitious to think you're just going to get to activate Fauna Shaman over and over again, you know? or ever. But you do get yeah. to. No, but I, no. I think it's fine to, to to try. It's just how often are you going to get Vengevine and how often are you going to get Demigod? Because the thing about Fauna Shaman with these sorts of reanimation type things is that. It doesn't do you any good to have ten different cards to go get if you don't really get them. Right. So as long as you actually think you're really going to go get demigods and not just more Vengevines, because in my experience, generally what you do in real life is you get a Vengevine and then you get a Bloodbraid Elf. Or you just get Bloodbraid Elves. Yeah. Over and over again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this doesn't sound like a bad plan either. You know, because, like, uh, if they can't even beat a Fauna Shaman... Are they going to beat a demigod? What about two demigods? I mean, I don't know. Like, it's a really good point. Yeah, I don't think it's. I don't think you should discount it. I think you should certainly try it. Absolutely. But uh, I definitely think that that is. Uh, it's a pretty big thing, you know. It's like, it's like, for instance, playing Mind Slaver, because you say, "Well, I'm going to cast Primeval Titan." And after I cast Primeval Titan, I'll have ten mana, so I can Mind Slaver somebody. <laughs> well, yeah, but. I don't know about you guys. If you guys cast Primeval Titan lately, I don't know if you need the Mind Slaver half of that combo. You know, maybe maybe there's easier like ways to do that. But. This reminds me of last year when you were saying, "I just want to get Bane Slayer in the graveyard, so when I cool Ultimatum, I can just get my Bane Slayer back." I'm like, "What? What kind of plan is that?" So uh, that was that was about one but year. You know, I, and honestly, you know, hold on, I, I'm going to have to back you up on this one. All right, because just two days ago, all we were doing is sitting around fantasizing about getting our Worm Coil engine into the graveyard. <laughs> well, see, that, that has a good... Re- you, you play the Worm Coil Engine. Exactly! Right, see, at least, but the Bane Slayer doesn't leave anything behind. No, see, you know? and that's where we're sitting there fantasizing. We're like, oh my gosh, yes. If we just get Worm Coil Engine to die, <laughs> then we'll have three guys, because we'll get it back because we're cool to pay them so Nine points life link, game 14 life. <laughs> yes. That sounds good. Let's just build around that, right? Uh, I, I don't know. I think that's what. It, it I, sounds like a good. It's really good. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It does. I mean, Worm Coil Engine. Play any Titan you want. That guy's the sixth Titan. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So where is Worm Coil Engine? Like people are playing him, but people are more focusing on the uh, uh, the colored Titans. Yeah. Well, it depends which format. Yeah, I, I was thinking more standard. Okay. Well, in standard, I think that the current ranking is um, number one, Primeval Titan. Number two. 
Grave Titan. I actually think Grave Titan's number two. You were playing that at Nationals, right? Grave Titan. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. one of, right? Or something like that? I, I think no, it, I had two in the sideboard. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I had one in this. One in the deck, one in the side. No, maybe I had two. Yeah. yeah. I, I know I had two between I know, the yeah, I know you had two between the 75. Yeah, right? I don't, I, maybe I had one and one. I seem to remember two. somebody telling me you had one main deck. So. Okay, I might have one in the sideboard. And then I had Bane Slayers in the sideboard, too. But um, the Grave Titan, I think, is number two. I think he's making a resurgence. I think we're going to see more blue-black using Grave Titan. Because I think Grave Titan is just super good at taking over games against Aggro now. You know? It gives yeah. these blue decks a way to legitimately win if they could just live a few turns, you know? And then um, number two, I think, is uh, it's probably actually still Frost Titan. Although it might be Inferno Titan. You mean number three? Yeah, I was going to say number, number three. three yeah. Number three is either Frost Titan or Inferno Titan. Um, I don't know. It's so close. It might, maybe it's Inferno Titan? It's tough Frost to tell because right it just, everything just starts to, to adjust. It's like right. it, it I mean, went I'm sure things have Titan. adjusted to Frost Titan a little bit by now, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Primeval yeah, yeah. Titan's the only one that hasn't moved, well, That one's right? just on an upper echelon by itself. That yeah. card is absurd. And then the Sun Titan is by far the weakest. Which is funny, too, because I feel like at, at one point people were going nuts over Sun Titan, you know? And, and he's, I, still, he's good. still good, yeah. He's still better than 99% of the cards out there, you know? But. So, Worm Coil Engine, though, where does that fit in? The, does, that, does that beat Sun Titan? Right does now, it beat, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think in standard right now, Worm Coil Engine is probably above Sun Titan and below the rest. Okay. Because it doesn't have, like, there isn't as big of a need for it. Mm-hmm. The blue black decks would rather have multiple guys with Grave Titan. The uh, blue white decks uh, would rather have a uh, would rather have more planeswalkers or bane slayers. Mm-hmm. The uh, the blue let's see the the Eldrazi green decks play it, yeah, and some Valakid decks play it, but um, but it doesn't do anything that their other stuff isn't already doing. You know, right? It, right now that life gain isn't that important because so often, first of all, there isn't that much removal. So his protective ability isn't that good. Yeah. And the second of all, um, the people who, when people do damage to you, mm-hmm. they often do enough to finish the job. Like they yeah. kill you. You know, like <laughs> sometimes, like a, like Lifelink is not a Lifelink is not as good right now in standard as it has been in many other formats. Um, simply because so often gaining twelve life isn't going to change a matchup. Like you need to affect the board. Right. You know. And uh, so as a result, I just think that his abilities are not well suited to the current format of Type 2, which has become very much a battle of titans, you know? Worm Coil yeah. Engine is not a good brawler uh, in the world of titans, you know? The format, and what I was getting to, the reason I asked you about the format is because it depends on the format. I think Worm Coil Engine is pretty good and extended. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think Worm Coil Engine, um, like as far as the titans go, uh, it, it remains to be seen how it's gonna sp- how it's going to break. But Wormcoil Engine, Grave Titan, and uh, Primeval Titan are the three good ones for Extended. I think Wormcoil Engine's going to see some play in Extended. Yeah, that's 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 a format where people are playing Maelstrom Pulse. Yeah. People are playing Terminate. People are playing Day of Judgment. Mm-hmm. People are playing, um, you know, people are playing with just bashing creatures. You know, like sometimes people will be. Uh, they'll they'll send a conscripted guy in, or they'll be playing with ball lighting type stuff, or they'll you know like there's a lot more. Plus, people are getting you by inches. There's a lot more bolting going on. There's a lot mm-hmm. more uh, doing exactly twenty to you. So lifelink ends up being much much more relevant. I see. So cool. Um, 
two more things I wanted to ask you about if you have time. Oh, absolutely. I, 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 All the time in the world. Okay. Uh, also, kind of like to say something about Library of Alexandria. Yeah, that's fine. That's right. fine, so. So, Library of Alexandria um, was relatively recently... Uh, it's being reprinted in Master's Edition 4. Mm. Not reprinted, but, but printed oh, in yeah, Master's yeah. Edition 4. Right. Right. Online, right. Right. And so, the interesting thing is that they printed an updated uh, banned and restricted list for uh, Classic Online, which is the online sister to Vintage. Okay. And they added all the cards like Time Vault, Mana Vault, Fast Bond, or wh- whichever ones are the new ones. Whichever ones are in Master's Edition 4 is their first set mm-hmm. that are also restricted in Vintage. Mm-hmm. Every single one got added to the restricted list in Classic, mm-hmm. except for Library of Alexander. That seems odd. It's really weird, isn't it? Hmm. It's really weird. <laughs> and I asked, it's not an oversight. It, that, there's no explanation given why. Right, but there's... But yes, we are aware that Library of Alexandria is not being added to the classic Master's Edition 4, you know, the post-Master's Edition 4 classic restricted list. Now, what, what could this mean? Um, I mean, I think that the most likely two scenarios are either one, the, there's a possibility that they're thinking of unrestricting it in, uh, the, in you know, in, coming up in a couple of weeks, and if they're going to unrestrict it, why bother adding it to the restricted list and, and take it taking off, it off, right? Yeah. right? You know? Because people have been talking about unrestricting Library Alexander. I mean, who plays Library Alexander anymore? You know? Like the, I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong, the cards are powerful, but is it really too good for what's going on in Vintage these days, you know? Right. I mean, maybe it'd be really interesting to see what kind of decks are possible if people can play four libraries. It a little bit yeah. reminds me almost of Mishra's Workshop. Remember what Mishra's Workshop was like? I mean, nobody really played it when it was restricted. Yeah. And it, then it got restricted. I mean, it got unrestricted. I mean, obviously, it skyrocketed in value because now mm. there was purpose to playing it and people needed four times as many in order mm. to be able to play it at all. Right. But um, it spawned this dark deck that's very, you know, it's got a lot of loyal following. It's been around for years. It's a cornerstone of the format. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to think, could Library Alexandria decks pop up if you could use four? You know, what would a Library of Alexandria deck look like? Would it, I mean, how would you... Because, yeah. I mean, first of all, if once you start librarying with one, they all chain together. Because <laughs> if you activate one, you're, you're good. You're going to be able to, you know... Makes you wonder what kind of decks, like, will people play with Gush to fill their hand back up? Will they play Dark Confidant? Will they play, like, a Life from the Loam strategy? There's so many different ways that you Gush could... Gush was just unrestricted, too. Yeah, isn't that weird? Hmm. Huh. They're trying so, to build the decks for us now, is that <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's what they're going to do for me. But no, I think that there's a good chance that they won't just snap, pull the trigger and, and unrestrict library yet. They might hope they do to shake things up, you know, but the... Uh, I, plus, I'm in favor of unrestricting cards in general. You know, mm-hmm. like, if a card's not seeing any play, most of the time I'd really like to see it unrestricted, you know? Yeah. Let's see. The, the other possibility, though, is that maybe they're testing the water a little bit. Maybe they're thinking about unrestricting it. Yeah. And see how it goes. Because mm. Vintage Online, is, it's Classic Online is mm. a lot like Vintage, mm-hmm. but there are no Moxes. There's no Black Lotus. You know, there's a lot of powerful cards. Right. You know, Mana Vault, Time Vault, Soul Ring, Fast mm-hmm. Bond. There's a lot of really powerful cards, but um, maybe they're going to test it a little bit and see how dominant of a force it is and use this as additional information as sort of a testing ground to see if they can unrestrict it in Vintage because I think it'd be fun. Yeah. Like I, I personally would like people to play, to play as many cards as they can, you know? Yeah. yeah it I seems th- like a good place to test something like that. Yeah. You know, exactly. because, because, like, you know, the stuff evolves so quickly on, on yes. online. So yeah. they can they'll be able to tell see what happens. Yeah. exponentially goes out of control, and then they go, okay, well, I'll stick it on the list. Well, yeah. Plus, oh, it must, we missed one. Oops. You know? <laughs> yeah. And, and Time Vault, 
and uh, if Time Vault and um, Library of Alexandria and Mishra's Workshop are in Master's Edition 4, I'm pretty <laughs> sure the writing is on the wall. Moxes and Ancestral Recall and Black Lotus are coming. You know, this is like yeah. paving the way. Right. They don't want to blow all the cool points up front, you know? Right, right. Wow, that's and, pretty nuts. Mm. Yeah. Like it's kind of awesome. Yeah, I mean, and and you know what? It's good, but they got to make sure that they can grow to a point where people are actually going to have those cards. You know, where uh, they don't want to just let the let it out now, have it be over with, and um, and people not care anymore. They want it to be special. You know, like right. boxes are like Black That's, Lotus is as big as it gets. Yeah, you know? yeah. You're, you're already talking pretty big by printing library workshop and time vault. So yeah, earlier you mentioned about the the EDH or now now Commander. Commander. Yeah, okay. So announcement. Let me tell you how it works with Commander and EDH. First of all, EDH is three letters. Mm-hmm. Commander is a long word. Yeah. Commander doesn't abbreviate into anything naturally. So you know what people are going to do to abbreviate Commander? They're going to write EDH. <laughs> you know how I know this? Because I've been playing Standard for many, many years, and I still write T2. T2 right. uh-huh. Why? Absolutely. Because T2 is a much better abbreviation for standard than STD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you, Commander, you want to write COM? But, don't get it twisted, I'm greatly in favor of being called Commander. Mm-hmm. I think that it's good that it's Commander, and people who like EDH and who love the format mm-hmm. should push to call it Commander. Mm-hmm. Still call it EDH with your friends and still, you know, abbreviate it as EDH when you write it to each other or whatever. Fine, do whatever. You know, it's just like type 2. Right. But the more that we use the term commander, and it's going to end up happening eventually anyways, mm-hmm. but it's good to speed it along because the more that people use the brand name commander, the more that we're actually going to see products designed for EDH. Decks, cards, you know, foils, set specifically for EDH. Uh, new generals. You want those four-color generals? The way you do it is by making Commander a real thing, because yeah. Wizards of the Coast had to call it Commander. They didn't have to call it Commander, they just had to not call it EDH. Yeah. They can't trademark EDH, and they can't, tra- they can't trade, uh, trademark Highlander. Right. Ah. The yeah, key word is Highlander. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's why onli- online isn't, isn't it called Singleton, or they call it Commander, there's something online. Now it's right? Commander, yeah. It right. used to be 100 cards, Singleton, right. General, whatever. Now, yeah. Then it became Commander, and now EDH is becoming Commander. But it's for the good of the format. Right. It's not. It's not so that you know Hasbro has control over their format or whatever. They haven't even t- like Wizards of the Coast isn't going to control the banned and restricted list for EDH. Right. All they're doing right. is making it into an entity that exists, yeah. so that they can go into the Hasbro and say, "Look, we want to. You know this. We want to put out a set specifically for Commander." Because they can't walk in there and say we're going to put out an EDH set. Yeah, it's like, we don't make EDH. We don't have trademarks <laughs> on EDH. We can't. You know, we can't. Yeah. They can't protect the. You know, they have to be able to answer to Hasbro. I can just imagine going into a meeting with Hasbro and being like, "So yeah, we want to do this th- like these box sets." Well, what's it for? It's for this thing called EDH. What is EDH for? Well, it stands for Elder Dragon Highlander, and, well, it's about these Elder Dragons that no, no, they no, had in this set. No, no, no. And it's like, you're already no, losing no, me, you know? No, 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 like, it's just it's the fact that it's Highlander. Yeah, it's, well, yeah, well, I know. It's, I know not even, it's not even the brand, though. Like, the, the fact that it's Elder Dragon, I don't think they even care so much about the thematics of it, because, right. like, we're talking about a company that makes Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah. You know, well, like, I know, but I, I, I mean, I think the bigger the, issue the is Elder Dragons are, like, so old at this point. The key is that, like, Hasbro's lawyers are saying, we don't care about the Elder Dragon. Yeah. We care about the word Highlander. Right. right. We can't abbreviate EDH because we, don't, we can't call it Elder Dragon Highlander. 
Like if we call it EDH and just pick a different word that starts with the letter H, mm-hmm. then people it, it will destroy our ability to preserve the, the the copyright because people won't actually say Elder Dragon, you know, Elder Dragon Heroes, right? You know, <laughs> Herovin or whatever. If you make up some word that starts with an H, just so you can call it EDH, mm-hmm. nobody will really say it, and you will lose the control of the intellectual property. Hasbro need like Hasbro's lawyers tell them what they need to do, and they said, look, you can make this. That you can make these products specifically for people who aren't even playing in our sanctioned tournaments. Mm-hmm. They're not even playing in our sanctioned tournaments. We can make products for them, but sh- you got to give us this. You got to mm-hmm. let us actually have it be a product that we're allowed to control the name of. Yeah, because they can't. You know. So I think that people who love EDH, please, please understand, this is a very, very small thing to give them in order to be able to. They're not even. They're not taking away control of the format. They're not taking over the band and restrictive list. They're just right. changing the name and giving they're, you a new product. Are people complaining? There's a What else exactly. is new? <laughs> but I mean, but the thing is, it's not that people are always going to be resistant to change. But the people who actually make the decisions about the format, they're doing this to make sure the game doesn't fall the same way as Five Color. You remember the old five color format? Yeah, never played it, Vaguely, but I know. But yeah. Yeah. It fell apart because it wasn't. It, they could never work anything out so that it could be a wizard's format. Mm-hmm. They could never work anything out so that. And this, this is the most loose, loose, loose phrasing of a wizard's format. Right. But this way, they can actually make a product for them. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Did you guys see the new the? Yeah, like the, the new the the, the oh, I'm excited. The for preview it. cards and, and things like I the whole thing. I mean, I can't imagine people that love EDH and I, honestly, I'm not one of them. It's fine. Like I just don't really play it. You like it better than I, I like do. It just but fun. I haven't really played it much lately. But like I keep yeah. trading for cards for it. You know. Yeah. So I mean, for people that love EDH, like they should be super excited. Like who cares about the name change? You know that you're getting a product directed specifically to you. And you know what though? I think it's fine that they uh, speak out against it because it just shows how much they care about the format right but you got to remember i mean taking a long view these types of things are there you're always going to meet some resistance mm-hmm. in the end um it really comes down to what do you want more to fight the you know to fight the you can't this is we're playing casual this is for fun you can't take this away from us you know fight that sort of fight mm-hmm. or do you want them to be able, or do you want to push to be able to have uh, cards and products made that can supplement what you're trying to do without taking away from it. The fact that it should be clear that because of the fact that they've made a statement that they're not going to take over the banner restricted list for EDH, mm-hmm. they're not going to decide the rules for EDH, they're not going to step on that at all. They're going to let EDH do that. That is like unprecedented in terms of how much they're willing to give up control over something. Yeah. So, yeah. like, it is such a small thing to ask people to push the name Commander a little bit. And you can still abbreviate Commander or EDH among right. each other. You know, whatever. I mean, that's that's how it is, you know. But and it can still be EDH in your hearts. Just like, I mean, Standard, there's always a part yeah. of me that's going to think of it as Type 2. Right. But I still, I, st- I still try to write it as Standard as much as I can because, first of all, there are a lot of people who are going to only know it as Standard. Yeah. Just like there's a lot of people who are only going to know EDH as Commander in the future. And by addressing it as commander, you can have a unified language, and then when they get into the culture, they can learn things about how it, you know, its roots as EDH, you know? Exactly. So, uh, last topic. It's a pretty, pretty big, big story, I guess, in this last week. Uh, last weekend, Tamaharo Saito was uh, DQ'd from GP Florence for stalling, was, I believe, the, the, official, the word. official word. Unsportsmanlike right. conduct and uh, essentially what amounts to stalling. You know, okay. using the clock uh, yeah. to get, uh, using the clock in an illegal manner. 
Right, and then a few days ago, it was uh, it was released that he was he's been suspended for 18 months, so until May 2012, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so what do you what do you have? I guess do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, yeah, this is like one of the biggest scandals in the history of the game. The uh, it's going to take people a little while for it to sink in just how big of a deal this is. First of all, um, we're talking about a guy who got inducted into the Hall of Fame a couple months ago. Right. Or elected, not inducted, elected, he got right. elected. Yeah. And he's not even in the Hall of Fame. And it remains to be seen. It would seem that they are not going to. I, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. Right. It'll be interesting to see whether or not he actually is getting into the Hall of Fame. It seems kind of unlikely. Um, because you're not actually eligible to be inducted into the Hall of Fame if you are currently banned or suspended. Right. And Which is probably why the ruling is, came down so and it's a, too. It's, I mean... There's no question. It appears to be a very, very deliberate set of actions. First, it is almost unprecedented in terms of how fast they suspended him. Right, it was in like order three to suspend him yeah. before Worlds. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Second of all, suspending somebody for 18 months for clock management is unprecedented. Yeah. This is definitely a, we're going to punish you for a lifetime of stuff because of this thing. Right. You know? Second of all, you don't suspend somebody for 18 months without purpose. Think about it. If he was suspended for a year, then he would be unsuspended for Worlds next year. Mm-hmm. If he was, I did think about that. Instead, it is clear that he is not eligible this Worlds, and he is not eligible next Worlds. It is very definitely, like, when it's over, it will be two, essentially in yeah. the second year after this. Mm-hmm. I think that what they'll end up doing is they will probably uh, retract the uh, it, the election, the invite, um, and then once he has served his suspension, they will add him back to the belt after he has uh, a pro point or something. Like after, he, like if he qualifies for anything, I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe no, he'll probably he'll probably just have it because he won't have been off very many ballots. So probably they'll just add him back to the list after. Uh, plus the other thing. If he was only suspended for a year, mm-hmm. he could show up to Worlds next year, get his levels, because he's like a level DI. Right. You know, level eight. He's, he'll get his levels, he'll get his pro points, whatever. This way, he loses everything. Hmm. When he comes back, he'll have no levels. Wow. No yeah. player points, nothing. No invites. He won't even be invited except for on rating. It's, it's pretty it's pretty and this is severe. A, we're, we're talking about a Hall of Fame ceremony taking place in his home country of Japan yeah very few Japanese players have ever been inducted into the Hall of Fame <laughs> and Japan is a country that has a long history of very powerful players that are just starting to become eligible for the Hall of Fame <laughs> Saito is uh, arguably the most famous and arguably the most successful you know yeah like only Kenji Sumera right. uh, mm-hmm. you know and then Saito is a pillar of the community there. He's an organizer. He, he has a card store. store. Yeah. Absolutely. He's uh, very active. In the, he's very much, like in a lot of ways, he's, he's a very prominent figure in the community there. Mm-hmm. And, and so this is, I mean, his life revolves around magic. There's no question this is a huge upheaval for him. But you can't, it's not like, he, he's not some victim. This isn't just some witch hunt. You know, right. this is the, the the thing is. I think there's no question that he did not expect this type of thing, 
but that's only because he's been getting away with clock management for so long, you know? It's like, um, I don't, like, I got no Saito. And he is a good guy, but he definitely has a little bit of a, uh, his perspective is very much made up by the fact that what has been okay has been okay. So he doesn't think of it as cheating, right. you know? And Saito, I think Saito is a very, very good guy, and he's got a lot of uh, a lot to give. And it's just a shame that it took things getting to this point. Mm-hmm. But I think that part of this is that they want to send a message. So he is definitely receiving a little bit of a significantly harsher uh, penalty than people normally would, because they want to clean up the whole Hall of Fame thing. Because even now, think about how many people wrote about how they were not how many prominent personalities wrote about how they were not voting for Saito mm-hmm. and why <clears throat> and he gets in anyway and so then and yet you have people you know like champions from the old days that fought against cheating like Chris McCool and Steve OMS not get in and I think this is one way where Wizards are trying to send a message that they actually do care about the integrity of the Hall of Fame you know yeah I mean I've heard things like I've heard people say I don't I don't, I don't want to you know sit here and like sit sit here and name names of people but like you know people have been talking about you know the sanctity of the hall which is already like you know kind it's, of a bit of BS you know what I mean but, well I mean I think you can't worry too much about it. I mean like okay what are you gonna do are you gonna go back and just start a new hall of fame and the way the new hall of fame right. works is you you go ask everybody who's in the current hall of fame that you think wasn't a cheater <laughs> right right like well, yeah there's not much you can do in that respect well but. i mean there, there's things you can do but you got to think about what's the highest value thing you can do what, what can you do that's actually productive positive profitable and good for the game and good for the community you know like right now um like why like the old days were old days, and you don't want to excuse anything that people were doing back in the day, but rather than just muck, dig up muck and mess around with all that stuff, because, you know, most of those guys were, like, the people, like, there's a lot of really great personalities in the Hall of Fame, and have done a lot of great things, and they came from a different era. What we can do is looking forward, look at the people now. All right. four people that were elected this year are active players, you know? Yeah. And uh, we we have a chance to make a statement about what's important to us now and what's important to us next year and the next year after that. You know, um, so I think it'll work out. I mean, I think I think that uh, Saito is a uh, I think he's a really great guy, and I would really hope that he uh, does come back to the game. You know, yeah. I do think that it is for the best to have this because it's very frustrating when you know people that you're uh, you know that you have good relations with, but you don't agree with some of the tactics that they use that, from your understanding, should not be allowed, you know? Right. I think I think there's also something to be said for, like, for redemption, where, like, somebody who does something wrong and then, you know, con- comes back to the game or, or, or uh, you know, or continues to play and then and, and stops whatever it was that they were doing wrong in the first place you got to give somebody a chance to and you know what you know who's a great example of this who's that? Olivier Ruel yeah because Olivier Ruel definitely had some shady times back in the past Olivier Ruel like he used to be like he would angle shoot and he cut some corners mm-hmm. he would and but you know what he even got suspended and he came back and he realized something. Well, no, he realized something. He didn't just keep on going. He realized he loves this game so much, it would destroy him to not be a part of this and to trivialize what it is. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm very blessed to have had an opportunity to see more of Olivier Rouault, to see, like, for instance, Olivier Rouault is a perfect example of somebody who, whatever indiscretions there were in his past, mm-hmm. he has let them go because he really wants to be part of the game. And it's hard because when you're, like, some of these players, like Olivier is one of the all-time greats, you know? Yeah. But it can be, so, like, it's such a seductive thing to get those little tiny little edges, the little, you know, the tiny little cheats, you right. know, the tiny little things. To be able to give that up takes a lot of willpower. And I'm, this doesn't make it, I mean, how great of a thing is it to stop doing something you shouldn't have been doing before? Right. But at the same time, you've got to respect the fact that people can change, people can do things different, you know? And I know yeah. how much it hurts Olivier every time he doesn't win against somebody who's an inferior opponent but he didn't try to do something to bend it or whatever. Right. But you know what? He's a better man for it. And yeah. I think he's a perfect example of why we got to give people the benefit of the doubt, give people a chance to change, you know, because Olivier's career wasn't built on shade. He's a fantastic player, but he did little things sometimes. Mm-hmm. Saito's the same way where he does little things, opportunistic things sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a lot like Olivier was in his younger years, so to speak, you know. And um, I'm hoping that this is the wake-up call that he needs to, to, to gain the same sort of maturity that Olivier did. Because, like Olivier right now, perfect example. In the Hall of Fame, had a checkered past, but you know what? He's, he's, he's playing like a Hall of Famer now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was playing like a Hall of Famer when he got voted in. He's playing yeah. like a Hall of Famer, you know? Yeah. He's playing with honor, and I hope that this is... Because Saito is one of the all-time greats. He's one of the best deck builders in the world. Absolutely. He's one of the best players in the world. He's a great personality, a great uh, community leader. I hope that he takes this the right way and grows from this, you know? Yeah. The hope is that after a year and a half, he can come back and prove that he deserves, you know? like, And it'll be hard. Because if he actually loses his invite because of this, mm-hmm. that's a hard thing to come back to. But I'll tell you what, if he loves the game, if he's devoted to the game, if he's really committed to it, he's, got, he's a strong enough player, yeah. he's a strong enough personality, he contributes enough positive. If he comes back and plays with honor and redeems himself, I think he can get in again. Yeah, someday. Absolutely. Years from now, but someday. You know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I guess one last question I wanted to ask you. If you, you could be at Worlds, what would you play in standard? Uh, probably Genesis Wave. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think Flora's Genesis Wave deck is really good right now. And it's funny, too, because so many people ripped on him so much yeah. about coming up with this, but it's like, I don't know. It's, He's been on a little, a little bit of a roll lately. You know, really liked his stuff with Ascension, really liked his stuff with, uh, with, with Wave, you know? As far as you know, I mean, you've maybe talked to him recently. Is he still, is that, that his top deck, I think, right uh, now? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, he, um, him and I just talked about it just before he came out here, and uh, uh, I don't know if I agree with all of some, like, some of the specific fine-tuning stuff, but... Mm-hmm. He's been pointing it in the right direction, you know. Like for instance, Garuk replacing uh, Oracle of Moldiah. I think he's absolutely right about that. And um, I think that some of his he might have a couple of horses packing his deck at Worlds. You know? Right. Cool. This is Joey from Yo MTG Taps here with Big Head Joe, of course, and D Sale from the Scrubland Podcast. Hey guys. Um, we're here with Christian Calcano, who uh, who just won the the Open Series event this morning. Um, you're playing a version of Valakut, right? Yeah, that's right. So, uh, I guess, h- how does it feel? This is the first. Is this the first Open you've completely you've won? Yeah, yeah. It's the first one I've won. It feels okay. good. Yeah, you, I remember. Like, I think the first time I 
I remember hearing your name was around this time last year with the Boros Bushwhacker. Yeah, I came in second. It was a, uh, what was it, um, Star City Open in Philly. Yeah. Yeah, that was like, I think like the first major tournament was Zendikar. Yeah, yeah. 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 So that was like the first big, you know, aggro deck, new format kind of yeah. thing. So um, what what made you decide to play Valakit today? Uh, I mean, honestly, uh, I played it in, the gr- in one of the grinders uh, the last night, mm-hmm. and like I won the first two rounds, and like in the third round, I lost to Vampires, and like I got mana screwed. So I felt like I didn't really like, you know, I didn't outright feel like I was losing to any other deck. I just pretty much lost to myself. So I figured, you know, I'd run it back for for the Star City Open. And uh, you played Shaheen Sarani in the finals, right? Yeah. And he was playing blue white control. Yeah. Naturally. Did you see any preordains? <laughs> there were a lot of the after the match, and they were all torn up at the end. <laughs> so, uh, how did you feel about the matchup going in? Because I, I heard that you guys both had said earlier that that uh, once you when you were both in top eight, that the kind of like the worst matchup was going to be each other, and it ended up being that. Yeah. Well, that was uh, you know it was kind of like a joke, but yeah, yeah, his matchup like it wasn't that bad against me, you know. So it's just like. Because if, if he if he just sticks the ley line and I I can't answer it, I mean I have a pretty tough time winning. So, right. but like I have the Eldrazi sideboard, so that's 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 the way I beat him in the Swiss because I played him in round six. And he's had me like locked out with Jason ley line, and he thought he had counter spells in hand. He just thought there was no way that he could lose at all. And then I drew my one of Ayabugan to like search out my Eldrazi's, and then I just took over the game. It's awesome. So uh, so I guess at this point, is there? Uh do you feel like Valakut is still like pretty much one of the better, uh, one of the I guess the best deck to play in standard going into yeah. worlds? I think, you know. I mean, that's the thing. Going into worlds, I'm not sure because I know you know everyone, everyone is playing next week. They're definitely you know looking at standard open and they're looking at the invitational and see what you know what decks are, are doing well and stuff. So the fact that I won with this and I know it's doing well in the invitational, like people you know people might try and. You know, people are going to be more prepared for it, for sure, like next week. So, like, I'm not sure that's the deck to play next week, but it's definitely a good choice. Uh, you mentioned you lost to Vampires, but that was due to Mana Screw. Yeah, like, in the game, in the third game, I kept a good hand with, like, it was, like, two lands expedition, like, two Harrows, I just never saw a third land. So, uh, yeah. Um, that deck seems to be... You know the up and comer right now. He's the black red yeah. vampires, and and, and the, the new tech for that deck against Valakit is the demon yeah, at Death's yeah. Gate. So uh, did you see that, and how do you guys? Or did you adjust for that at all? Um, not really. Uh, I played against it. Let me see. Um, I'm trying to think because I know I know I played against it at one point. I don't know if it was in the grinder or. I don't think it was in the tournament. I don't think I played against Demon in the Open. But I know I played against it one game in probably the Grinder, and I beat it the one time I played against it. That's because I think it was, like, turn four or something. Because, like, if that guy comes out on turn two, you know, there's just no yeah. way you're going to win. So. <laughs> so you can one-up them, though, with the Gaia's Revenge, right? Like, the I, you you have a, a similar monster that beats a different matchup, right? Did you play Gaia's Revenge, or do you like that guy? Yeah, I mean, I like it against, like, the Blue Decks, obviously. So like, I, I bought it against Shaheen, and... The player, the blue black player, I played in, in the top four, mm-hmm. and it was it was insane. Honestly. Yeah. So as far as uh, uh, Demon at Death's Gate goes, though, you you feel like if if it doesn't come out until turn four, you're more yeah, because like by then, like you know, you you, you can get your uh, you know you can get the primeval titan and your valid pick going, 
they can get your valve code going, then you might even be able to like kill the, the demon like mm-hmm. after it hits you once. Yeah. Assuming you're you know you're okay. high enough, yeah. Right. Like you can still you can either kill it or you can just kill them, so are you, are you a little disappointed that they didn't finish out the the top eight last night so you could win on your birthday? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it sucked. I, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure why they... Uh, like, they explained that they said that the reason why they do that is because of, you know, like, fatigue or something. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, like, I, I, mean, I know I felt like I just wanted to finish the whole thing, like... Not so much as my birthday, just because I just wanted to get it over with, you know. Well, well I'm saying, I imagine, I imagine, you know, your birthday, yeah, at, yeah. At, you know, leaving here, you know, we probably went out and partied a little bit, right? I mean, I, well, I tried, but oh, <laughs> I was foiled, so no, no partying. So I was, I was wondering, like, I was like, man, I mean, you know, Chris is doing well, but then, like, you know, if he goes out and parties too hard on his birthday, I mean, that he's gonna come that back. That was definitely the plan, leaving the site, but uh, I didn't get there. I just did like a drive with like Rashad and Bill Stark and all the coverage guys and. So, so did the rest help going into the second, into the last two rounds of the top eight? Um, it was okay. Like. Yeah, it was. I mean, I only slept like four hours. Like, I, I woke up like at six thirty, you know. But so, I mean, I didn't sleep that much. But <laughs> I guess not drinking helps. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we uh, we were actually doing the, the GG's live coverage for the quarterfinals of your match, and uh, you were pretty tired. During yeah. the guy was re-sleeping and falling asleep, so it looked like you needed some uh, some rest. Somebody but... called it Good Naps Live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Christian, thanks. Congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate it. Awesome, thanks, man. Yeah, Sale, thanks for closing out yeah, the, uh, the interview. <laughs> thanks for spending some uh, a couple minutes with us. Yeah, appreciate thanks, it, man. Yeah. Good luck in your job. All right, thanks. EOMTG Taps is available every Friday on StarCityGames.com. Visit our website, IWantMyMTG.com, for past episodes, t-shirts, free stickers, and more. You can contact us at YoMTGTaps at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at YoMTGTaps. Taps.